All right, guys, here we are again. Take me down to the Paradise City where I get to hang out with my friends and record metal, rock, and whiskey. Take me down. That's right, Jake. And if his intro didn't give away the topic of this week's show, well, that fucking music clip just did. <laughs> well, for the <laughs> listeners that uh, that might be new to the show, uh, our, our typical format is that we compare two albums from one artist against each other. Uh, we discuss, definitely have argued a lot in the past, uh, not professionally at all, but we'll debate some merits, and in the end, only one album or artist will reign supreme, and tonight is actually a typical episode. Tonight we are battling two of the all-time greatest albums from Guns N' Roses, and it'll be Use Your Illusion 1 and 2 versus Appetite for Destruction. And, guys, as always, something else that is equally important. We are all whiskey nerds, and on this show, we not only drink (laughs) fairly copious amounts of whiskey, but we also talk about it. We know a thing or two about it. Each show, one of us pairs a whiskey with the theme of that show, and tonight, that task is on the shoulders of yours truly. Welcome to the jungle! Indeed. But in the meantime, Ed, uh, what are you drinking tonight? Tonight, I have in my glass um, a collaboration between a couple of people. Um, Chef Edward Lee and Trey Zoller. The chef's thing called uh, Jefferson's Chef's Collaboration. And um, I've had this for a little while. The first time I opened it and drank it. Is that release one or two? Um, I believe this is two. Cool. Mm. This is the second release. Yeah, I missed out on the first one, yeah. but picked up the second. Um, first, I opened it and I was drank it, tasted it. I wasn't too excited about it. It didn't really grab me. But now that I've, it's been open for a little while, I come back to it. And for some reason tonight, it's really hitting the sweet spot. This is really, really... Uh, Really doing some good stuff in the mouth here. <laughs> yeah, that first, uh, the the second one, just I haven't e- had either one as big a Jefferson's fan as I am, but uh, I've heard that the second one is much much better than the first. But oh, really? I don't know. That's just okay. that's just hearsay. That's from people I know. Um, I've, but I haven't tasted either one. You know, I I've actually never, <clears throat> excuse me, I've never owned a bottle of anything Jefferson's. Mm-hmm. I've had I've just had samples um, of of barrel picks and that's it. I've, I've never actually yeah, like sat a, down and drank. This is my yeah, my first purchase of or taste of anything Jefferson's, and uh, not disappointed. Mm. Well, good. Well, Matt, are you drinking something other than uh, what's on your docket for the whiskey segment? I am not. <clears throat> okay, so. <clears throat> 
Jake, what are you drinking? Matt, you want to guess what I'm drinking? <laughs> Four roses? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I am actually a... Uh, I'm drinking uh, which stores pick. This one, this is from my uh, my good friends over at Tippins Market in Ann Arbor. They uh, oh, imagine that! I know it's a it's an OBSV that was uh, it was put out to commemorate uh, opening day of Detroit Tigers baseball for this year. Awesome! Um, it's uh, it's a a nine year three month OBSV coming in at. Uh, nice and strong 122.2 proof um it is i mean it it lights your face up in so many good ways like it's it's nice and hot up front but it's a good hot like a uh like the way that like a cinnamon red hot candy has good heat but it's also really flavorful and then on the back yeah. end it's nice and fruity it's it's a fantastic fantastic pour really awesome. really enjoy it and jake if you don't if you don't mind um <laughs> for any of our novice whiskey listeners out there and you know we've mentioned it almost in every show but if people who are new in, no no but if people who are new into whiskey um have heard that word have heard those words store pick thrown around quite a bit on sure. the show so if you wouldn't mind taking 2 minutes to explain to them maybe someone who's not familiar what exactly a store pick is okay so there's 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 <clears throat> yeah. yeah no there's there's two distinct um single barrel selections let's say <clears throat> there's a uh, I mean, outside of your standard distillery single barrel. Um, and a lot of times they just get lumped together. A store pick is literally when a store or retail um, outlet uh, picks, selects a barrel, or at least buys, purchases their own barrel from a distillery. Um, and then there's also a group pick, or a lot of times it's called private select. And that can be where um, an organization... Um, a club or something like that uh, can can go ahead and and pick a barrel as well. So it's it's the same thing. Different you know different hands are exchanging the money essentially. Um, but yeah, that's what it is. So um, you know sometimes I'll mention where our uh, our bourbon club here in in Lansing and and also our statewide group uh, we pick we pick our own barrels. This is not one of those barrels. This one is a collaborative effort between uh, Tippins Market and the Last Word Bar. They're both in Ann Arbor, and they collaborate on a lot of a lot of barrels. They they do uh, they probably do as many, if not more, than every other store in the country when it comes to Four Roses. They're they're heavy heavily into the game of Four Roses. So um, I know they do more in the state of Michigan. Four Roses wise than any other store in the state. Very cool. So yeah, and that's I've brought it up before, but that's from a collection standpoint. That's where my focus is. I, I like getting the the single barrel uh, store and group picks more than I like buying. You know, <laughs> to me, there's Pappy Mania, there's BTAC Mania, there's all that kind of stuff. But I mean. Last year, George T. Stagg, the BTAC collection, put out 30,000 bottles. That's not really that rare when you think about it. And next year, no, it's not. And next year, you know what? They're going to put out probably 40,000 barrel, you know, bottles. Whereas 
that bottle right there is one of 154. <laughs> so there's only 154 bottles of that that will ever see the light of day, and I have one of them. So to me, like the rarity of that and how special that becomes. And I mean, I have that's an OBSV. Go back to one of our previous things or look it up online to figure out what that code means. But uh, <clears throat> I mean, I have probably five different OBSVs. And when you put them against each other blind, they all taste completely different. Same recipe, but mm. different barrels. So it's that's. I think it's a lot more fun when you're doing blind tastings to do different barrels of the same bourbon or whiskey against each other. I think because yeah, each fun. one is sure. very is specific to that store, and whoever was doing those picks, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, it's. You know, getting line like you said, Jake, lining up six or seven different store picks of the same bourbon is in and of itself a cool experience. Well, you know, and when when yeah. palates are when palates are so relative to the individual, uh, you need you know I I'm in a couple a lot of different groups and our statewide group we have twelve twelve hundred members and you know you'll get people that'll just post a random post like what do you guys think of this or is this worth buying. Well, why are you asking 1,200 people, is this worth buying? Find somebody that has a palate similar to yours. Ask them if they like it. What are their notes on it? Because if your guys' palates align, then they're going to be able to give you better information than just some massive group. I know for me personally, <clears throat> I have not been that big on like Michter's Tenure and, um, and some of the other... Uh, there's other things like that. I, I honestly, I'm not a big fan of Pappy. I don't, I don't really care for it too much. It's just not a flavor profile that really does it for me. Now other people just freaking love it, and it's amazing. I like Barrel Strength Four Roses picks. A lot of people don't like those. They like other stuff. So it's, you know, you, I found out early on years ago that the guys at Tippins had a similar palette to mine. So everything that they put out, I buy it because it's fantastic. Mm. Yeah, you just hit on the uh, the holy grail right there. Is just to find um, find a, a group or whatever that has you know the same taste as you do, so you pretty much can be guaranteed that whatever they pick, you know. I'm granted, I'm sure there'll be a miss every now and then. But oh yeah, for the most part, <clears throat> well, probably. Uh, and make sure you're talking. You like. Make sure you're talking to other people that that have aligned their palate through blind tastings because. The worst thing that you can do is just take advice from somebody that is a, a marketing buyer or a hype buyer, somebody that just is buying stuff out of FOMO and not because they necessarily like it. Yep. For me, as soon as as soon as I tried Pappy in a blind tasting, I stopped chasing it. I just I, I don't I don't have any. I mean, I'm not going to pass up a bottle if I get it because it's great for trading, but. <laughs> Yeah, I would, but, but I would trade it. I wouldn't. But yeah, I mean, I, it, it's clear what you're saying is true because if you're going into tasting that for the first time with the the voices in your head and everything that you've heard about it and the rarity of it and how everyone goes out of their way to get it, you have all of that pre all those pre notions in your head about it, and you know, to be honest, that that could affect how you taste things. You could be completely mind over matter. Com completely mind <laughs> over matter. Exactly. You're 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 tasting things that y you are making yourself believe that it's better than you might actually think it is. 
I've I can't because, even yeah. tell you how many times that's happened to me where where I've had a bottle that you know I I thought very highly of. I tried it, but you know, first I tried it and it's like, oh man, I really love this. But then I put it up in a blind and it came in last, and it's like, oh well, hmm. I guess I maybe didn't like that one as much as I thought. Fun little whiskey chatter there. <laughs> maybe we should uh, should we move over to Sailor for the news? Yeah, I think so. Sailor. Now that we've gone through that whole fiasco, man, why don't you tell us what your what your whiskey pairing is for the night? All right, we'll do. <laughs> So Guns and Roses, a band that has been at the peak of the highest mountains and at the bottom of the deepest abyss. This was kind of a tough pairing for me as I couldn't really find a pairing for a specific album that we're talking about tonight or a song, but I did find a brand of whiskey whose history somewhat parallels that of Guns and Roses in terms of the peaks and valleys. So for this week's whiskey segment, I give you Four Roses Yellow Label. Oh. Yeah. I told you told you you'd like it. Uh, now, despite the similarities in the names, uh, this is not why I chose this whiskey. However, I chose the brand in particular because of its history. Uh, for the better part of three decades following Prohibition, uh, Four Roses brand was the top-selling bourbon in the United States. The top of the heap. However the, however, the 1960s saw the brand discontinued despite its continued popularity and in its stead, a cheap knockoff garbage blend was produced while insert, carrying the same... Insert puke emoji. Yes. <laughs> so while carrying the same name, it was nowhere close to its bourbon predecessor. With the sheer bourbon boom over the past decade and a half, Four Roses has seen a resurgence in popularity as a straight bourbon whiskey once again. So now you see the parallels, listeners. Guns N' Roses was on top of the music world from about 87 to 92, I would say. Although the band never truly broke up, a cheap knockoff, pure, filthy, stinky, garbage version of the band, (laughs) although carrying the same name, released their long-awaited garbage album. Uh, With the reunion of Axl Rose and Slash and the original lineup touring again, Guns N' Roses' last tour was one of the most successful tours of all time cementing their place in the annals of rock history. So now my tasting notes on Four Roses Yellow Label. Uh, On the nose, very sweet. Caramel, hints of butterscotch. Got a bit of a grassiness upon first whiff, uh, like a lawn the day after it rains sort of scent. Just really quick. Uh, On the palate, medium-bodied. Again, caramel, toffee, butterscotch, maybe even a bit of menthol. Uh, finish, finish, clean and lingering, and quite dry. Uh, so now for now, time for my long string of Guns and Roses song cheesy puns here. Uh, now don't <laughs> cry, don't cry. A bottle of this could be mine or yours for under twenty bucks. <laughs> it's so it's so easy. Whether in the jungle, in Paradise City, the Garden of Eden, or right next door to hell, make Four Roses Yellow Label a fixture of your bar. And that is this week's whiskey segment. Very good. Nice. 
<clears throat> Thank you. That was fantastic. Working the songs in there. <laughs> so something that uh, Four Roses nerds have been pushing for some time now. So <clears throat> Four Roses Yellow Label is uh, is a eighty is it eighty proof. You are correct, <clears throat> sir. It sounds right. It's an eighty proof uh, blend of all ten recipes. If you take all ten recipes and like take all like you know how I have the uh, the single barrels. If you take yeah. all ten of those at barrel strength, they're phenomenal. It's it's awesome, which has struck a lot of conversation in the Four Roses groups. Of why not do that? Why yeah. not put out a barrel strength, strength yellow label? Because I'm sure I, I'm sure it'll happen at some point. Because I mean, I'm in a couple of groups, Four Roses groups, where there are Four Roses uh executives and stuff in the groups and they hear it they see it so I'm I wouldn't be surprised if we see something like that and uh at some point in the near future but it'd be a lot of fun very cool I would be very interested to taste that yes that's for sure <clears throat> yeah that uh <clears throat> I, I like your comparison of the neutral grain spirited four roses and the garbage Chinese democracy <laughs> you didn't say it but that's what i got from it <laughs> of course i mean that's yeah i'm sure the listeners understood that as well i hope <laughs> well, that's fantastic matt thank you very much for that thank you and uh do you have a timeline for us jake i do i'm gonna give you a little bit of a timeline here one of my that's probably my favorite song from guns and roses right there actually not not probably that is my favorite guns and roses song Uh, as long as uh ed does actually put sweet child of mine in there and not some other song to punk me and play like something off of chinese (laughs) democracy (laughs) damn it sweet child of mine better have played just uh, (laughs) then all right Let's uh, let's let's do a little, just a brief a brief background on on how they got started, which is just a super interesting, and uh, I don't I don't know if like ironic, probably not ironic. Uh, well, I'll just say it, and everybody can figure it out on their own. But uh, Guns and Roses got started as <clears throat> um. There was two bands that started in in Los Angeles. One uh, with lead singer Axl Rose and guitar player Slash named Hollywood Rose. How cow coinky dinkle. And another band um, with uh, rhythms guitarist Terry Gunn named LA Guns. And they're all friends. They're kind of living together, hanging out. Uh, L.A. Guns lead vocalist. They want to get rid of him, and it seems uh, Axl Rose wants to jump in and sing for the L.A. Guns. So, what do they do? They change the name to 
Guns and Roses. It's like this is this is exactly not what you would think. This is this is way too easy that you, I, and I didn't really go back and research, but we do know that like Axel is not Axel's real name. We discussed this. Go back to our uh, go back to our King of the Douches episode <laughs> and listen to uh, background on Axel Rose, but. To have like William, like William <laughs> Bruce or some shit like that. Yeah, yeah. But it's like you couldn't you couldn't make this up that a band named Hollywood Rose, named after the singer singer last name Rose, and another mm-hmm. band L.A. Guns, <clears throat> named after a guitarist with the last name Gun. <laughs> so I can't believe I did. I never realized that before. I was doing. That I know for this episode. So in 1985, essentially the the two bands kind of mash up. Um, at first, it was it was uh, it was Tracy Gun uh, on uh, sorry on lead guitar, um, Axl Rose on vocals, Izzy Stradlin on rhythm guitar. Old Beach um, bass and drummer Rob Gardner. I mean, these are some, these guys have, these are Hollywood names. These are definitely, I mean, Izzy, Axel, Rose, Tracy with two eyes, Guns, <laughs> Ole, Ole Beach, O-L-E. I, I assume it's Ole and not Ole. It didn't have like the slashing mark on top of the E. <laughs> Sounds very glam metal to me, actually. Okay, but real quick though. So they they settled on Guns and Roses. I mean, that seems pretty... You're mashing up two band names. That seems to make sense. Here's two of the names that Guns N' Roses beat out. AIDS? Yes. A-I-D-S. AIDS? I was going to say, as in the disease. Yeah. Yep. Capital A, capital I, capital D, capital S. And the other one that it beat out was Heads of Amazon. Heads of Amazon, Let's like just, Jeff Bezos. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess <laughs> that's so. pretty cool. I like that. <laughs> I'm guessing they mean like the shrunken heads, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Um, All right. Well, let's just say thank goodness for them <laughs> that they had band members with last names Rose and Guns. <laughs> um, oh. So very soon after, so this is in 1985. Very soon after. Uh, they got together. Uh, Beach was replaced by Duff McKagan, uh, and uh, T- Tracy Guns also left and was replaced by uh, none other than Slash from Hollywood Rose. Thank God! Oh my gosh! Right. <laughs> uh, Gardner also quit not long after those guys got swapped out, and he was replaced by Stephen Adler, who. Um, who actually played with Slash and, um, sorry, I lost my note there, with Slash and McKagan in another band. Um, I forgot. I, I didn't write down what the name of that band was, so I don't really give a shit. <laughs> Not important. <laughs> Not important. Not important to this discussion. And that, yeah. that lineup is is what most of us would consider GNR, Guns N' Roses. It's, it's, oh, yeah. It's Adler, McKagan, uh, Izzy, Stradler, Slash, and Axl Rose. So, <clears throat> um Jumping into um, Appetite for Destruction, this was released in 1987. Uh, it sold 30 million copies worldwide, um, mainly off the success of uh, the aforementioned Sweet Child of Mine. It is the most successful debut album uh, in recorded music history, which that's incredible. Is yeah, I mean that's that's pretty awesome. Uh, so let's 
let's start discussing this. Um, Ed, you want to kick it off? Yeah. What a debut album, man. I mean, I was going through all the tracks on all these albums, and between um, Appetite for Destruction and the Use Your, Use Your Illusion albums, um, I went through and I picked out my top five songs. Um, on Appetite? And four, well, out of, out of all any of both the albums... Yeah, oh. <laughs> my point is four of my five top songs are from Appetite for Destruction. <laughs> I, you know what? The I'm, only exception I'm... being November Rain <laughs> that made it as number four of my top five. But all the other ones are. Well, I'll just say what is Sweet Child of Mine, like you, Jake. That's my favorite song. Then um, the less celebrated Rocket Queen. I love that song. Oh, uh, really? Welcome to the Jungle. That, I was not expecting November Rocket Rain. Queen. And nope. Paradise City. Wow. <laughs> yeah, those will be my top five. But so, yeah, this album is just a powerhouse of uh, hits. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about that, and it's funny that you brought that up. Because <clears throat> um, remember when we first started this podcast, we recorded like three or four episodes um, that eventually made their way into the uh, the cyber trash because they uh, basically featured us getting hammered and with bad audio quality, and uh, they were pretty much unlistenable. But in that format that we originally used, we used to do a thing called uh, where it was like a game of if an alien life form showed up on yep, this planet, yes. and you had to tell them five songs from this particular artist to listen to to give them the best uh, feel of what that artist is. You're, so in your your own opinion, you're five. And I was thinking about that as we were doing this. So it was really, really funny that you brought that up because I was thinking about that too. And I guess we could go around and do this. If, if, yeah. Uh, what what mine, are yours? I'm curious to hear. So mine, I, I'm, as I mentioned, uh, Sweet Child of Mine would be my first. Paradise City would come in second. Um, November Rain would come in third. Uh, Welcome to the Jungle would come in fourth. And uh, this is this is where it gets so difficult. Mm-hmm. On that, that on that fifth, because I'm probably be ah, man. It's so difficult. You know, I I probably would pick civil war <clears throat> okay good song would probably be my, uh, my number five yeah that was one of my top album top uh, tracks from the use your illusion series but again you know there's it's it's not heavily weighted but three out of my five are on appetite two on illusion what about you matt <laughs> Can I talk about how I feel about this album before I pick my five? Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, no, whatever. All right, all right. So no, we're still we're still definitely going to talk right. specifically about appetite. It's just Ed right. brought it up, so I we thought we'd just throw it out there and then keep talking about appetite. All right, I'm going to burst your bubble here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so I'm going to put this in perspective of of the timeline, the the time frame in which this album is released. So it's released in 1987. What happens in 1986? 
That's a huge year for Thrash. 86 mm-hmm. is the year of Thrash. Metallica, Slayer, Rain and Blood, Megadeth, so on, so forth. Uh, you still have hair and glam metal being very popular uh, amongst the you know hard rock audience. Um, and I think that there was a lot of people looking for a a middle ground, a bridge album, a bridge act that could that was not as as abrasive as thrash. But it was not on the other end of the spectrum as glam or. Yeah, I was gonna say it's sure. not not yeah. too glammy, but not too heavy. Yeah. So, yeah. so for me with this album, and I'm not talking the hits. I'm talking in between the hits. So, I hear a lot, and I say a lot to my ear, a lot of glam metal. I hear some hair metal in mm-hmm. there too. Oh, for sure. Um. Yeah. Um. So, like I said, I'm not talking about the hits. The hits are great. Hits are nice. Uh, like to put them in my pocket. Good songs, um, but it is to me it, it it's super significant. Number one because of the the figures you mentioned in the open, Jake, about uh, debut album. It's certainly one of those that needs to be preserved as one of the greatest albums of all time because mm-hmm. of what it did and what it accomplished when it was first released. Um, but to me, I hear just a bridging of two different styles and it brings together for the masses different styles of, of hard rock, which is great. But, and I don't want to get too much into the second album that we're going to be talking about, um, it lacks for me in some places, but I'll for talk sure. more about that later on. Yeah, I, I think, I think um, maybe uh, if I'm gathering... Part of the point you're making, and I feel this way too, is that uh, the <clears throat> the hits on this album, um, they do kind of cement, or I guess maybe cement, or they kick off a very specific style of music. And and honestly, yes. the hits on this album, the hits on this album, they last. I think they're, I can listen to them now. I don't feel like they're too dated, but the other songs on this album are kind of all over the place. They're really, I, I to me, they seem really dated. Um, you know, they, now, although, they feel like yeah. 80s rock songs, whereas like Sweet Child of Mine, I can, I mean, I probably listened to it four times today. And it's like, man, I just, I never get sick of the song. It's, it's transcendent. It's well-produced. It's well-written. You know, some of the, and, I mean, maybe like uh, Paradise City maybe is a little dated now it feels 80s ish but yeah and although i although i I shit on those in between tracks i will say that the two songs on this album because i like i'm a fan of i I love aggressive axel i love aggressive axel wearing his heart on his sleeve just barking shit into the mic so i mean like (laughs) something like something like night train and like my michelle like those songs like that's guns and roses to me man oh okay like huh. yeah yeah I mean I, I think you know what I'm I'm getting at, um, <laughs> and I see a little bit more of that on the other album we'll be discussing. Um, but anyway, Ed, what were you gonna say? I was gonna say that um, to me this this album, I don't see much about this album at all that cements it in a in a specific era of time. To me, it's completely 
almost separate from the what you would consider your typical um, 80s. I meant type I meant of more rock yeah, cementing yeah. wise. I meant more to Matt's point that you had you had two very opposite end of the spectrum style music, and this one kind of cemented its place in the gap where it it kind of started um you know if if you had people that maybe were on the glam side that wanted to progress into something a little heavier but not all the way to the thrash scene or if you wanted thrash guys that maybe wanted something a little bit lighter but not all the way to glam then you hear here they fit right in the middle Oh, yeah. No, I, I totally agree with that. And I really wasn't addressing uh, what it, you had said, uh, per se, more oh, okay. what uh, Matt had, was was talking about as being um, some of the songs, you know, being typically 80s, where I don't see any of these songs as being typically 80s. Having lived through the 80s as a teenager, um, you know, from my experience anyway, this, this album seemed so... <clears throat> I don't know ahead of its time is the proper term, but it's, they, they're so, I guess maybe unique would be the better word because yeah, they're a, they're a hard rock band, but there were no other bands at the time that really sounded like them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was no, I mean, there was nobody that sounded like him. Number one. Oh, for sure. Yeah. To that point. Yeah. I mean, in, I I guess maybe I I don't know exact dates, but you know at what point was like Motley Crue coming onto the scene and well they came on the scene in the early eighties, but you know they had their very own distinct um, sound which I really don't think can compare to when you got Slash's guitar and Axl Rose's vocals. You know, those two in combination together, man, I mean, that's such a unique sound. Well, let's and let's make this um, I, for a band. I think we probably all agree right up front that uh, I mean, I guess I'll make the point. You guys can agree or not. But to me, um, it, you know, in, in the same way that there's there's no Beatles without McCartney and Lennon. There's no Zeppelin without Page and Plant. There's no Metallica without Lars and James. There's no Guns N' Roses without Slash and Axel. <clears throat> yeah, and yeah. so it. as soon as these three albums, you know, I, I I consider, and we discuss this, and that's why we're doing Use Your Illusion one and two together because it's if it's basically a, it's a they call it twin albums. It's, a, it's basically one album in itself. It's just one big album split in two. Um, these these this is Guns N' Roses and to me this is this is it this is this is all it's these three albums and everything else I I don't I don't consider it Guns N' Roses I don't particularly care for it either no I'm with you there okay Mm. yeah I figured as much I just didn't want to fully speak for you But I, I want to make one thing clear. I, I am not shitting on how important this album is by saying what I said before. Oh, no. Um, I mean, the numbers don't lie. The popularity does not lie. Um, it was a transcendent album for the time. And like mm-hmm. you, you guys said, unique in its own way. Um, but to my ear, you know, going going back, it just... It's not Guns N' Roses to me. It's not my Guns N' Roses. But I'll get into okay. I'll get into that later. Right. Yeah, well, it's, yeah. it's I don't think I don't think you have to dislike one to like the other. I, Correct. I mean, yeah. I like I like all three of these albums. I think they're all three. Mm. 
I mean, it's it's amazing to have for a band to be so short lived, um, you know, and to to disassemble under you know what seemed to be such turmoil, um, to in such a short period of time to put out so many hits on what essentially is two recording sessions. <laughs> I mean, that's that's just incredible. And, and it's, it is phenomenal. And, and I don't dislike, you know, one to like the other. I just, I, I had to make the decision and I think we probably know where it's headed to where I kind of just like one more than the other. Yep. Okay. So I think we all have expressed how we feel about appetite for destruction. Now, how do we feel about the use your illusion albums? Wait, can we two. can we take a can we take a pee break first? Yeah, let's do that. All right, let's uh, all right, let's let's discuss it after the break. Sounds good. All right. And we're back. And before we discuss Use Your Illusion albums, um, let's get a little background on them. Jake, what have you found out? So as we mentioned, um, this was known as as a twin album, Use Your Illusion 1 and 2. It debuted at uh, number 2 and number 1, respectively. So it's backwards. (laughs) Um, it sold 35 million uh, albums, so it did beat out its its predecessor of Appetite for Destruction. And I think Matt has an interesting fact for us about this album. Yes, and if you are a hard rock fan in the summer, early fall of 1991 when this album was released, and maybe Ed can remember this a little bit more than we can, Jake. Um, I think I, were, I think I was in like third grade. So huge into heavy yeah. metal. I was a huge heavy <laughs> metal guy. In third grade. <laughs> but within the <laughs> But if you are if you are a rock fan or a hard rock fan for that matter, within the course of four weeks, this is what you were treated to as far as new releases. The black album by Metallica, ten by by Pearl Jam. Jeez. Never mind by Nirvana, <laughs> Blood Sugar Scythe Magic by Red Hot Chili Peppers, <laughs> and Use Your Illusion One and Two by Guns N' Roses. Yep. In a four in a four week period. <laughs> it was a great time for rock radio. That was a great yes, great was. time to that, for rock radio. So just random. Dude. That was just a random thing I, I noticed. To that point, very yeah, cool. to that Amazing. to that point, and uh, you know we do. We do talk openly about our ages on this show, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pick at Ed for a second, but it it's funny how you get to that point where, you know, you're growing up and like your dad's listening to classic rock, which you don't really think about when you're a kid, that classic rock is really just what he listened to when he was growing up. And now right. I turn on classic rock and it's 
the stuff I was listening to growing up, and it's it's weird that it's transitioned. You know, I'm hearing stuff off of Pearl Jam 10 and Guns yep. N' Roses uh-huh. and, you know, all that stuff. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm growing into classic rock now. <laughs> <laughs> Although, admittedly, th- that still is, um, even those albums, like you said, you were still pretty young when those came out. I'm the youngest. So. Oh, yeah. I'm the youngest of my siblings. So, for me, I... And I have my, so my, too. my oldest sister is is seven years older than me. And and so I I always was listening much higher than my age. And okay. so I was I was listening to a lot of that's why I mean I, I I was getting into really getting into Metallica around, you know, the this around this time because my sister was just jamming the black album. Okay, see, I'm just the opposite. I'm the oldest in my family so what i basically what determined what i listened to was either it was a combination of my friends and the radio and that was pretty much it you know because i didn't have any old siblings to look up to and of course my mom and dad didn't listen to rock music or anything like that so uh, yeah it's a little bit bit different uh different perspective yeah i mean i had two i'm the youngest like jake so I had two older brothers who were huge into metal and and hard rock and everything. And um, getting back onto this, onto Use Your Illusion, they had the posters, man. They had, you know, Use Your Illusion <laughs> 1, you know, Red and Yellow, and they had Use mm-hmm. Your Illusion 2. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Purple and whatever. So if you had one, you had to have the other. They had the T-shirts. So That's crazy. Yeah. You know, but it, it's funny because at the time... Um, I guess, you know, I, I had the album Appetite for Destruction, um, but the Use Your Illusion albums, I guess they really didn't um, didn't grab me enough to, to make me go out and actually buy the albums. Yeah, there were a few good songs off of them, but, um, but back in the day, um, they just really didn't, didn't register on my radar as albums that I should go out and buy for whatever reason. Hmm. Yeah, you know, it's. I honestly didn't. Uh, I didn't realize, honestly, until so I, I have, I have the Appetite for Destruction album. I actually, I have the CD sitting right here next to me because I have my CD books down here. Um, but I never owned any other albums from Guns N' Roses. So for years, I just assumed that. All of these other major hits that I had heard on the radio forever, you know, for 20 years, I assumed that that those were spread across, you know, a dozen albums. Because for most artists, that's what it comes down to. It comes down to mm-hmm. they've got, you know, a hit, maybe two singles per album. And that's it. And then they're lucky to, you know, fire off 10 albums and have 10 to 12 to 15 singles that actually get radio play. And Guns N' Roses fired off that many in, you know, essentially what is two albums. And it it blew my mind. And I was like, wait a second. How did I not realize that all of these songs were on this one freaking album? It's It's awesome. I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot of songs, especially um, if you look at them collectively. I mean, each album has a pretty generous number of songs. Yeah, it's but, not like they were two um, eight-song albums. I mean, these are long, right? 
Yeah. I mean, this kind of, um, I can't help but think back to, um, the only thing I could really compare it to is Load and Reload from Metallica. And I kind of have about the same feelings about this these um, albums as I do the uh, the Load and Reload. I think you could trim off probably 50 to 60% of each album, put them together, and have one great album. I thought you were going to say because... Cause Load, similar to Use Your Illusion 1, Load has Ain't My Bitch, Use Your Illusion 1 has Back Off Bitch. <laughs> I, thought you were gonna, I thought you were trying to make that parallel. No, but I actually thought the same yeah. thing. I thought the same thing, Ed, where, um, and we discussed this in, in, in the Load Reload al- uh, episode, where um, I probably would have shaved, I probably would have shaved that down to one solid album between those two mm-hmm. albums there's there's a dozen songs between those two albums that i really like and then the other or 10 half of the songs i really like the other half i skip when i play them and that's pretty rare for me in metallica and that's kind of how right. it is with with me and and uh and the use your illusion is that it's boy the hits they are awesome me november rain we talked about uh live and let die i mean the cover songs that are on here I, I yep. think they just crushed them. They knocked them. I, man, cover songs knocking on heaven's door. Cover songs can be so hit or miss. And oh, yeah. you know what? I don't like. I don't like when somebody does a cover song and they just sing it the exact same way, but not as good. Because <laughs> that's what it ends up coming down to. If you're gonna sing an yeah. iconic song and just try to sing it the same way that it was originally done, but the way that they did it. I thought they just, on all of them, they just crushed it. They did so great. Well, yeah. If you try to sing it the same way as the original artist, then you're just inviting it's people karaoke. to compare you it's karaoke. to the original artist. And, of course, yeah. you know everyone's used to the original artist singing it, and you're always going to come up second place. I mean, there may be exceptions to that. But, yeah, you've got to put a spin on it to make it your own. But then you can... Somehow. There's also times where, where people yeah. try to go too far out away from it. And then you just, it's, I feel like there's a, there's a, a, pl- it's a, a good, yeah, it's a balancing sure. act where if you go too far away and you can't connect it to the original at all, then mm-hmm. it just maybe not, might not make sense. But if you're too close. Yeah. And that, and that particular song talking about that one song that, I mean, that's a James Bond yeah. song. It's a James Bond <laughs> the theme song. Die, right? yeah. So, I mean, yeah. And to, to cover it, do it justice and not make it sound so James Bondian make it sound like a regular hard rock metal song did, makes it even better. Of, did our James Bond conversation yeah. make it into the last episode? <laughs> and, Don't ask me. I wasn't there. <laughs> yes, you were. Yeah. Our last. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. sorry. The episode. So I, I, my head's off two episodes the ago. Episode to that, Iron Maiden. The episode that yeah. aired uh, today, which was uh, now I'm blanking. I listened, listened to it this morning. It was the Iron, Iron Maiden, Iron Maiden. Yeah. and we got in. We, of course, as we do, we start off with Iron Maiden, and somehow, uh, somehow, we ended up breaking down Karate Kid as a <laughs> movie, yes. as a movie, and now TV <laughs> franchise, and the James Bond franchise. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, Live and Let Die. Roger like, Moore for the win. I think I think that's underrated. Uh, some of the great songs that have come out of the James Bond franchise. Absolutely. It won yeah. an Academy Award. Didn't I think that Skyfall won. Yeah. won an won a Grammy, didn't it? 
And Skyfall, yeah. No, Skyfall won the okay. Academy Award too for best song. So yeah, those two. Um, but back on uh, Use Your Illusion. <laughs> well, we're gonna get back on the night train. Um, <laughs> back on the night train. Bottoms yeah. up. Um, I'm gonna fall. I'm gonna burst that bubble again, and I'm gonna fall back on a word that I've used quite often on this show with different artists when you're talking about not debut albums, but later albums. And that is the word progression. So if you're playing uh, drinking and bingo for metal rock and whiskey, yeah. <laughs> drinking bingo. progression, <laughs> sound progression. Um, as great as that debut album is, I think that for me and maybe for others out there, this is guns and roses that this album is guns and roses at their best at their peak the best that they have to put on an album or two albums in this case um you know the pianos axel doing different things with his voice uh the the melody changes the ballads the longer songs i think that this this album these albums is what they are i don't think that we can you know wrap up in a nice and put a bow on their career with appetite for destruction. I don't think that is their the pinnacle of what they can do. I think this album is the they top also, for them. Know, and I think a lot of times yeah. um, part of progression is uh, is experimentation, <clears throat> and they definitely got more experimental. Um, and mm-hmm. I don't know if this was just a feeling I had, but it, it kind of felt like uh, Illusion 2 felt more experimental than Illusion 1. And maybe it might just be how I felt about two specific songs. Um, Estranged we had a really cool vibe to yeah. it. Um, uh, the like melodic structure of the song was really interesting. I, I really enjoyed that. Now on the exact opposite end of that, My World... I thought was probably one of the worst songs I've ever heard <laughs> in in my life. <laughs> I mean, when you're talking a double album with what thirty two tracks, I think there's it's going so, to be a clunker in there. Yeah, they should at least sure. one. They should have just left right. that one off. But hey, you know what? There, somebody else, somebody else in the world is like my world is the is like the Easter egg. It's the greatest. It's the greatest songs they song they ever did that never hit radio. Something like that, but. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, to me, like, like a song. I'm, I'm gonna throw this out. You Great could be song. mine. Mm-hmm. To me, awesome, that bro. song is a phenomenal yeah. Yeah. song. I agree. It is. It is Axel at his. It is Axel at his best. It is just unabridged. It is just him screaming, just feelings into the microphone. Uh, especially near the end when he's just going off on a tangent about about. You know, whoever he's talking about in that song. That would have been um, my number six. And, you know, it's, yeah, it's me too. Yeah, and it's um, and it's slash. When I was when too. I was like debating on number it's, five yeah. and, and Civil War won out, but yeah, you could be mine would have been would have been right there with it, and that. And listeners, that's number <laughs> one for me. That is um, my number one song. Do you want to give us now that we're now that we're on to this? Do you want to go ahead and give us your five? Gladly. Let's hear it. Let's, Let's do hear it. it. Um, so you could be not you could be mine's number one. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the other four in no particular order. Um, I'll say November Rain, Civil War, um, Welcome to the Jungle, and Perfect Crime. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. How great. Yes. How great was the music video for November Rain? Oh my gosh, it was amazing. He got Slash out so in the middle good. of the, 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 the churchyard with his guitar solo. Oh my god. See, and that oh, to me, and the, and the flower, that is the Guns flower Roses going from red to white, yeah. bleeding out. Slash ripping that solo. Dude. In front of that church. Dude. So good. Yeah. And it's like when you had the whole mood change <laughs> yeah. in the song when all of a sudden the rain started coming down and everything. It's an epic ballad. Yeah. I mean, it's fantastic. Oh, yeah. I, that's seen. You know that's that's me. I love I love uh, like a complexly structured song. You know, and and a lot of times it's 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 complex, but it's at the same time it's a lot of times it's the same structure over and over. But it's it's you know like a melodic guitar at the beginning or something to that effect. Then into you know kind of just changing styles throughout the song and that's, those are that's the songs that i love from every band yeah. like those, every band that's that why I i'm surprised you didn't mention rocket queen you what you describe is a perfect description of rocket queen yeah. and why i like it so much yeah, that, i don't know that's, that's it's a decent song i just don't love it i, I don't know but like sweet child of mine is that november rain is that and that's why those those are two of my absolute favorite Guns N' Roses songs. And, you know, it's probably why, you know, we talk about Metallica enough, but that's why One is my favorite Metallica song. It's that, too. It's that. It's thematic almost. It's right. It's cinematic to a, to an extent. Like, you can you can go through a, a, a range of, of feelings in one song. Um, but that, that I, guess, I guess you would call it... I guess you call it an extended outro on November Rain. I guess when the as Ed as you said the mood changes, you mm-hmm. know, in the music video, I, right. that's like one of the best ever. Yeah, in my opinion, oh, yeah. Super, as far as yeah. an outro to any song. Yeah, <laughs> no, I agree. It is, yeah. is freaking phenomenal. You know one. Yeah. You know one thing I I always notice when I listen to, and it's almost distinct. Um, once you jump from Appetite to Use Your Illusion. Um, in between those recordings, uh, Axel learned how to do his like, I, I like mantra singing at the end of the songs. He does yes. it so often throughout <laughs> this album, where he, I mean, he kind of like slightly did it in Appetite, but now like you're just, oh, is this that song that he does that? Yep. Oh, wait, he does in this one, too. Yep. <laughs> it's that, like, mantra singing to, like, guitar sound, echo, reverb. But that's part of that experimentation you talked about and that yeah. progression. Well, yeah. and uh, so. who was I? <clears throat> um, I'm trying to think. I was reading through some, some articles, and uh, one of them mentioned that at this time period, you know, if you were in this time frame and you're seeing, you know, the rise and, and the power of Guns N' Roses in this time frame, a, a very famous artist, uh, whoever it was, I think, you know, I'm pretty sure it was Ozzy Osbourne. 
and it was it was a quote from him during this time period. So I think he still had a, a certain portion of his wits still about him at this time. Um, but he kind of mentioned that he thought that essentially he was watching um, like a second coming of Led Zeppelin. Like this was the the only band since Led Zeppelin that that he saw that had the kind of the power and the style of Led Zeppelin and that kind of vocal experimentation. I mean, that's a staple of Led Zeppelin throughout their catalog that, you know, Robert, and you had that plant and you, and 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 you had that dynamic. Yeah. You had that, you had that dynamic duo thing too. They would play off each other all the time and and slash and Axel absolutely do that. Yeah, it's just a shame they couldn't keep it together longer than they did. You know, it is, and and you know maybe maybe we got great art out of out of the conflict that they always had, and and sometimes you get that, and and other times you have a cohesive unit that can work together and continue to provide great art. So, you know, I guess you just kind of have to take it for what it is. Unfortunately, yeah, I mean, by the time. You know, in my opinion, by the time they got back together, uh, you know, Axel has such a, a unique, um, a unique voice, and uh, and I feel like once they got back together, it was too late for him. I, I just don't yeah. think his voice is I still agree. there. Yeah, and I said the same thing when we were talking about Van Halen. I said that we we should be lucky as rock fans to get so much from um a duo you know we were talking then about eddie van halen and david lee roth so much from them in such a short period of time which ended up being five or six years and i can think as rock fans we should also be lucky that we got so much from slash and axel yeah in the same kind of time frame you know albeit two albums versus five albums for van halen but um you know that's just like i said back then you know when you have two personalities that are on the same page sometimes, and most of the time they're not. Um, we should just cherish everything we get from them during that time <clears throat> before it explodes. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, yeah. back to you know, back to the another the last time that we talked um, without Sailor, we talked uh, about the Chili Peppers, and that was one of the points that we discussed in that episode was that generally you have you know the singer guitar player. Uh, combo and in that band it's more the singer and bassist kind yep. of play so yeah I mean it's 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 funny how it, it works that way okay well this is an album battle <laughs> and so, we haven't and we actually have an odd number of people so there is going to be yeah. a winner <laughs> so yeah so we you want to kind of go around the horn and um explain uh, well, what your no, actually, process was no it's not true because sailor actually already voted so she voted yes yeah, she, she voted earlier in the she show and she voted for appetite i mean okay so we already got adam- for that adamantly to her she was basically there's appetite for destruction and then guns and roses was wiped off the face of the earth and there was just some imposters playing garbage Sounds very familiar. <laughs> kind of sounds like her feelings toward Metallica too. Yeah. Towards, towards quite a few bands, I think. Um, yeah, but yeah, no, I, I certainly, uh, I don't, I don't feel that way. Um, I really enjoy Use Your Illusion. Like I said before, I'm not gonna dislike one just to like the other. But for me, um, you know, there's kind of even if I were to just put it to three songs 
to Sweet Child of Mine to um, Welcome to the Jungle and and uh, Paradise City. Every time I hear them, man, it just it takes me back to like skateboarding on my street with a boombox and this cassette tape playing <laughs> and and it's you know there's just memories there's just so many memories tied to i mean honestly to to the hits off off appetite and uh and so for me it's it's going to be appetite for destruction okay so that's two for appetite how about you Matt? well i grew up with it it was in my household uh as i said with my brothers before and you know, my Guns N' Roses, the Guns N' Roses I enjoy, Use Your Illusion 1 and 2 is the album. It is, in my opinion, it's their peak. It's their musical crescendo, if you will. Um, <laughs> well played. As great as, that, as great as Appetite is, and it is a great album, despite what I said before, uh, Use Your Illusion to me is just, for them... It's their superior album to me. Their superior albums, I should say. Um, so I'm going to go with Use Your Illusion 1 and 2. Oh, well, for boy. me going into this, um, I heard we were going to be doing this. I thought immediately it would be a slam dunk. But then I went back, and like I said, I, I bought the Appetite for Destruction album. I kind of I never owned the Use Your Illusions, and consequently only heard some of the hits off there, and... Um, I some of the songs I didn't even connect them to these albums. Um, I think is similar to something you said earlier, Jake. Um, but anyway, I went and I listened to these two albums, and man, there's there's a lot, so many solid songs on here. <laughs> Love and Let Die, Don't Cry, November Rain, Civil War, Yesterday's Knocking on Heaven's Door, You Could Be Mine. You know, if I condensed those down to a a, a, a I, my ideal Guns N' Roses album, um, given the, the selections of song from this album. I mean, it's a great album. And that, so that's so thinking great, about it that that's way. That's really, man, that's um, really a great, that's a great point. And when you think, if, if, if I could mentally condense the songs that I like into one album, boy, I don't know. So then <laughs> that it becomes, it okay, this album verse that I've created with these songs versus Appetite for Destruction. <laughs> and then it becomes a little more difficult. For sure. And I'm thinking, um, all right, then it had to be you know, Desert Island. You know, which album would I not want to live without? And I would say that of the two, I would not want to live without you know, Sweet Child of Mine. Paradise City, Welcome God to damn the Jungle. It, <laughs> um, it's that's really. I mean, it, it was not. It was not an easy choice, but when it came down to it, I had to look at that way in order to make myself make a choice. And so, that for that reason, I have to pick Appetite for Destruction. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it, it's really fun. I I I never really thought to kind of compartmentalize it in that way to say mm -hmm. to if i could mentally go okay well the between the two discs there's like eight songs that i really really like and then throw away the rest versus yeah. you know four to five songs that i really like on appetite and throw away the rest well 
you know, if we look at it that way, then, you know, just from a number standpoint, right. use your illusion could take it. But, but for me, I can't have Guns N' Roses without Sweet Child of Mine. It is, it is far and away, I mean, far and away, heads and shoulders above every other song to me. It is, I mean, it's that, it's that good to me. It's an iconic song that, I, I mean, it's, it, it, like Matt's kind of mentioned in his whiskey segment, it it's one of those songs that it lives in the annals, 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 A- annals. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it can live in your annals. <laughs> when you were, anyway, when you were might doing, be a little uncomfortable. <laughs> when you were doing your whiskey segment, I was thinking to my that's that's why that struck in my head because you were you'd mentioned like their their down period and then you went back to their up their their good period and you said uh, that annals. it was into the the annals and I was like. Well, then their down period must have lived in the anals. <laughs> I didn't say it. I was thinking it. <laughs> Which, so to Guns N' Roses, these these uh, these albums are the annals, and uh, uh, Spaghetti Incident and Chinese Democracy are in the anals. Live <laughs> in the anals. <laughs> but, but yeah, well, no, it's, I, I can't. I, I if we're if we're talking what we can or can't live without I, I can't I can't have uh, I can't have them without without sweet child of mine and, and honestly probably without welcome to the jungle too so swear at where I got a bees so that's a that's a three to one yeah so fuck me right well you're 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 <laughs> right where I was at uh, in Pantera true. Which exactly because you guys all picked Cowboys from Hell, which was their first album, and I picked mm-hmm. Vulgar Display, which was their next album. So yeah, well that was a that was a good one, guys. Um, yeah, so. let's move on to the move on to our next part of the show, shall we? Oh, to the end. Okay. Um, so this is where we try to talk about what we're listening to as far as podcasts or music or television or anything like that so and you guys want to kick that off well uh, let's get this out of the way real quick i've been out of the country i was gonna say so i really have european shows while you were uh no but i did see a lot it was really interesting watching shows like dubbed in german like ncis and and uh, oh. shows like that dubbed in German. And it's funny how, especially the thing that I thought was kind of hilarious, is how, you know, Abby on NCIS, she's got kind of a husky voice, you know. And, and the, the und, German dubbed a voice for her was like, was like, a, like a very high girly voice. And like, oh my gosh, it like does not fit her at all. <laughs> and uh, But anyway, um, I'm going to... Tw- put a little twist on this i hope you don't mind Um, (laughs) we don't mind it i haven't been uh you know didn't discover anything new as far as listening goes but i did discover something new as far as drinking goes and i know that's kind of a part of our show too all right so but yeah so i'm kind of into the the uh the schnapps now it's the um the liqueurs uh, not schnapps isn't liqueur it's like a Basically, the schnapps is like the German's term for like a distilled spirit. Yeah. Uh, basically. Yes. Yeah. And they can come in various uh, flavorings and stuff. And I've had uh, 
Um, the apricot one is one of my, my favorites. So yeah, I, when I was over there, I bought bought some of those. I bought a few different varieties, and uh, I'm looking forward to trying them. So I'm going to ask ask our uh, our resident uh, liquor expert because it Matt because <clears throat> it seems that schnapps kind of over here in the United States kind of has this like cheap liqueur uh, connotation to it when like you said Edward you know in other countries it's it's just a category of of liquor am I right Mm -hmm. yes so I would say in, in at least in the US from my experience is that you know schnapps is something that is super sweet um, you know, usually around like 30% or I would say 30 proof. So 15% ABV, um, super sweet, just something for, you know, maybe the underage or the right, the, right at the age college people to take shots of, you know, gold, peppermint, gold schnapps, yeah. peppermint schnapps, yeah, peppermint schnapps, yeah. yeah, peach schnapps, um, be you know, like true, true schnapps or, you know, anything of that ilk from Germany or, you know, Kirschwasser, which is cherry, you know, like high proof cherry brandy, uh, is actually very, very delicious. Yes, it is. Yes. And I did mention I was in Austria, right? I can't remember if I did or not. <laughs> you yes, did, you uh, did. Yeah. Did he? Yeah, okay. I didn't remember if he mentioned that on the show or not. Did you have, uh, did you have, um, what do you call it? Wiener schnitzel? Isn't that Austrian? Uh, yes, that I did. Wiener. Yeah. And, and Wien, yeah. Wien is the word for Vienna. And that's yes. what yeah. we were, was Vienna. Yes. So basically, that's the Vienna schnitzel. And is, sh- okay. is schnitzel sausage? I'm not cultured at all, so I have no idea. Is that what that means? What's that? What does is, what is the schnitzel literally mean, translatively? Schnitzel, it's just basically... Like a fried patty of meat, basically. It's so it's, it's you know, almost like literally is like Vienna sausage. Is, well, is no, because sausage to? is completely different than schnitzel. <clears throat> well, it, like a sausage patty can still be a sausage. I didn't know if like schnitzel meant sausage or a schnitzel. Well, schnitzel literally. is basically it's like the 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 meat, but it's coated with like a breading and then fried. Oh, so. It, so you can have chicken schnitzel, you can have veal, you can have schnitzel, you can have... It's Any meat can be schnitzeled. Any, any schnitzel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, it was, it was good stuff. A lot of good food. Oh, boy. I've heard, I've heard uh, I have a co-worker who is, is a traveler, and he uh, has nothing but great things to say about Austria, and the culture, and the food, and the wine, and and everything so yeah it's on my bucket it's on my bucket it's um it's mostly wine and beer when you go out to eat um or going to stores you don't i mean spirits kind of really take a back seat to the wheat beer and the wine over there Mm -hmm. everything i know about austria i I think i learned in sound of music (laughs) is that is that accurate well, is that dated? I, I, I was kind of surprised <laughs> when we went there because Vienna is in the very flat part of uh, Austria. So I was disappointed not, I didn't see any mountains out there. So, <laughs> hmm. Matt, what have you been listening to or watching or? <sighs> I got to tell you, you've been watching. Heard... You've been watching boxes get packed. No, you ever? Yeah, <laughs> seriously, <laughs> packing my whole life away here. Um, but. You ever like? I'm sure you guys have experienced this. You you 
know of a band, but you forget about them for a very long Dude, time. And all you hear a song the time. The and then you hear a song on the radio and you're like, oh, they exist. <laughs> They're fucking awesome. <clears throat> and then you have to um, binge. <laughs> and then you have to binge. Yes, this was me not two days ago um, when I heard System of a Down yes. on the radio. <laughs> and uh, the song Ariel yes. was, was on the radio. And I was like, I have to buy this album on my iTunes right now. And uh, it just took me back to high school, man. Just those those albums, those songs that just take you back to a different time is amazing. And talk about a talented band, man. They're totally a binge, a binge band, too. You you hear yeah, one song, yeah. and you just have to listen to it for hours. I and love you know, singing uh, to like the top of my lungs to it, too. And I think I forgot, you know, when, when, um, oh, what the fuck is his name? When Surge tanky and went solo and then i heard his solo stuff i think i purposely forgot about him yeah because of all the because of all the political bs that he put into his songs <laughs> yeah um i think i kind of just erased them from my memory and then i heard their old you know system of a down stuff and i was like shit man why is this not anywhere on my phone or on my playlist or anywhere and uh to that man. yeah to that point like i think one of the things i i always liked about them I like when musicians will maybe um, maybe have a topic, political or, or what have you, political, re- religious, topical, whatever it is. I like when there's um, content in their music. You know, it's not just, um, you know, mindless pop. But, yeah. but at the same time, like you said, I, I think he went a little bit, beyond open for discussion and more or less like this is how i think and and fuck you <laughs> yeah yeah no and exactly what he did yeah. <laughs> so but uh i mean like toxicity is just dude, like so that good. album my god <laughs> so freaking good yeah they put out like three or three or four albums right off the you know do the just bang 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 they were so good yeah, Toxicity, um, and the one after that was called Steal This Album, and then I'm trying to think of that first one that had um, the first album that had uh, and then Sugar on it. Yeah, Hypnotize, well, Hypnotize, then Mesmerize, was that what it was? Yes, I think so, yeah. Something like that, yeah. But for you young kids out there, and I hope <laughs> there are some young people listening, um, and you don't might not know who System of a Down is, go check them out. Yeah, and um you know that i think it was wasn't it it was mesmerized i i think was their kind of their last album that they put out before they kind of stopped i don't they haven't really put out anything recently have they since then no i think he's still i don't think they're together i think he's still solo yeah and that uh you know those last two albums were were they came out um you know, post nine eleven, and very yep. a lot of the content was. Uh, I mean, songs like Soldier Side um, on Hypnotize, and then on the next album on Mesmerize, there was Soldier Side Two, and mm-hmm. so they had a lot of a lot of you know as as it would be. You know, in the sixties, there was a lot of songs about Vietnam, and you know, at, at that time frame, you know, we were you know we're overseas and at, at war, and and and. And it was, but it was, it was more brought to you in a way of, of a point of view more than uh, just trying to shove something down your throat. Yeah, and like his soul, his his solo, his first solo album, which was called um, 
elect the dead yeah. was very very in your face yeah. sort of like this is what I think and that's it yeah so <clears throat> yeah <clears throat> anyway Jake, Jake what do you got well uh, hold on let me open it back up real quick I had it open um, <clears throat> I actually where did it go hold on a second oh <clears throat> um so one of my one of the podcasts it's difficult so some podcasts like ours release you know weekly um there's some podcasts that drop monthly there's some podcasts that literally just drop whenever the people that are doing it get around to it <laughs> and uh there's a couple podcasts that I listen to where they do seasons and kind of like a TV show so they'll release um every week for six to eight weeks and then it'll be you know the rest of the year with nothing and it's drives me nuts because i mean with really good podcasts you you, they leave you wanting more but you want more now (laughs) and uh i don't know if you guys are familiar with uh with the author malcolm gladwell um yeah one of one of his books, Outliers, is is one of my favorite books. I've I've read it like five times. I it just it blows my mind the studies and information that were in that book. But his uh, his podcast is called Revisionist History, and each episode he goes back and tries to look at a historical event from a different point of view. So. You know, he'll take like a an event. There was an episode in last season where he did. Um, there's this really iconic photo at a civil rights uh, rally um, where there's like a, a dog um, jumping on a young, you know, black boy in the south, and and it looks like this white police officer is having his dog attack this young boy at this rally and the kid he looks like he's only like 12 years old well he went back and interviewed now you know and an grown elderly man who that was the young boy in that up in that picture he went back and interviewed him he interviewed the family of the police officer who is now deceased he interviewed other people that were there he got all these different point of views but in the end that young boy who is now a grown man told this chilling story of how, uh, you know, he was supposed to be in school. He skipped class that day just to go see this rally, not to be a part of it, just to see it. And how he kind of came abruptly up behind this police officer and the dog in a reactionary fashion went to go, you know, react because the, the, the kid jumped, kind of jumped the dog a little bit. And the police officer was actually trying to keep the dog off of him, mm. not the other way around. But, but there was all this uh, propaganda at the time where this photo was being used in the opposite direction to say like, you know, to show like this is, this is, uh, you know, white police officers being violent uh, towards black youth and in the opposite fashion. And it's just cool because he'll he'll go through and um, and, you know, that's one example. He did uh, an episode on 
like free throw shooting in the NBA and how how some you know basketball players nowadays that are just terrible free throw shooters they're only terrible because they have too much pride to shoot a different way and and like he's interviewed all these players and they're like yeah you know I could shoot a granny shot and literally increase my percentage 30% <laughs> go from a 50% free throw shooter to an 80% free throw shooter but then they'll get made fun of for a season and they'll go right back to their previous way of shooting and drop right back to a 50% free throw shooter. So he'll go back and, and he'll do all these episodes on just to get a, a point of history from a different viewpoint. And it's, it's just incredibly interesting. Um, and uh, I would recommend it for anybody. It's he, it, there's, there's some episodes where he interjects um, some of his own political viewpoints, but not in a way that feels, uh, I would say he and Intrusive I. Intrusive or well, anything like that. Yeah. Like I mentioned, he's, he's, he's one of my favorite authors. And I would, I would probably tell you that he and I probably are on very different sides of the aisle on most political uh, stances. And yet I love mm. his work because I, I love that he, pre- he presents um, ideas and, and his thoughts in a way that, like I said, that it, it's open to discussion, and I think that's that's when people learn and grow is when you can discuss things openly, and that's what I love about that oh, podcast. Definitely. That's what I love oh, about yeah, that, that podcast. Yeah, <laughs> and that whole you know going back to the the original stories, that whole misunderstanding of a photo or a video, very prevalent today. Out of, without out getting of context. Into a whole discussion. Yeah, out of context. Yeah. Yes. Well, and especially without, today when when you can soundbite yeah. and snip it. Any, I mean, you could you could take you could take the the most kind-hearted, uh, perfectly eloquent interview from anybody and soundbite it into making somebody sound like the most evil person on the planet. <laughs> yeah. See any political ad? Yeah, right. And yeah, yeah, and they're ruined and they're ruined for life because of yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Because anyway, let's not get into that now. <laughs> Metal rock and politics. Yeah. All right. Well, I suppose this yeah. is probably the time where I should say thank you to all of our listeners out there. And please ask you. And the, the I can talk. So I suppose. <laughs> have another drink. All right. I suppose this is the jet part lag. of the episode. This is the part of the episode right? where Ed represents how jet lagged he is coming back from Austria yeah, yesterday. Exactly. <laughs> You're a trooper, Ed. All right. We appreciate you. Uh, we appreciate you being on the show and such. Uh, you've been back for how many hours now? Not very long. I mean, you're certainly um, in the middle of jet. Yeah, life. just a little over 24 hours. Yeah, that's yeah. That's that's exceptional that you're here. All right. So join us next week for another episode of Metal Rock and Whiskey Podcast. Matt. And to all of our listeners, our fellow Metal Rock and Whiskey obsessors, we value your opinions and your feedback. Please find us on Instagram at Metal Rock Whiskey. Send us your love, your likes. Please share your thoughts, reviews, questions, suggestions, concerns, and comments about the show. Please feel free to do the same on our Facebook page. Search Metal Rock and Whiskey and ask to join to continue discussions. Participate in weekly polls and sound off on the show. And I got to say something. Both Instagram and Facebook have been kind of dead lately. Guys, where are you? 
Come on, sound off. Hello. We want to. We want to hear from you. Come on, let's go. We yeah, know you're us, there. Let us know if you Part, if you have suggestions. If you have suggestions on how the show can be better or topics you want to hear us discuss, let us know. We're open. Listen, if you if you think if you honestly think listening to our episodes <laughs> that we don't know anything about metal or rock or whiskey, <laughs> I want to hear it. Yeah, I want to hear it. I'd rather hear that than hear nothing. So please sound off on the show. Uh, you can find us on YouTube. Please subscribe on iTunes. Give a review. Uh, don't be that dick. Don't be that person. Give us that five-star rating. You can also follow us individually on Instagram. Yours truly, at the Whiskey Obsessor. That is Whiskey. Save the E. Ed, where can they find you? They can find me on Instagram, at Bourbon Geek. Jake? To touch on Matt's point, um, we, we do love to get the reviews on iTunes and the whole point of, of don't be a dick. If, if you have... Um, you know, constructive criticism about our show to the point of of you didn't like it enough to give the five star. Reach out to us, uh, send us a DM on Instagram or a Facebook message or or what have you, and and reach out to us individually and or you know let us let us know what what it was that touched your nerve that you didn't want to leave the five star. And, uh, and and maybe we can make that change to where the next time you listen, it will be a five-star. So we would love for you to do that. Um, <clears throat> we do have a Patreon page. If you do love the show and you want to support us and help us keep going, it is at patreon.com slash metalrockwhiskey. Um, we'd love to thank our, our good friend uh, Torben and his ball cream. <laughs> Um, yes, thank you, Torbjorn. Torbjorn, yeah, Ed, Ed came back from Ed came back from Austria and and mentioned that uh, that Torben pronounces his name wrong. Apparently, it's actually pronounced Torbian. Is that right, yes. Ed? That's right, <laughs> Torbian. Uh, maybe I don't know. Maybe we have an imposter calling our show. I mean, I I guess I I would I like to think that we have that it's actually. Uh, Torben Ulrich, but maybe it's maybe it's just Torben, the guy that pushes the golf or the shopping cart down the road. I don't know. I don't know, <laughs> but what do the what do the Austrians know about Scandinavian? <laughs> yeah, people. I mean, what do they yeah, know I mean, about right? Denmark? Yeah, come on, <laughs> for real. <laughs> what do they know about Prussian ball <laughs> slammer? <laughs> They're not tennis. <laughs> I mean, really, who was a great Aust- Austrian? Uh, tennis player we all know that we all know the danes are the tennis players of europe yeah <laughs> uh and let me mention you can also find our fearless leader sailor at sailor retro on all social media platforms very very true and don't want to leave her out you yeah. can find me on instagram at bourbon.spartan um did you mention our Facebook page, Matt? I think you did. I did, yes. Right, cool. Yes. All right. Well, guys, uh, well, my glass is only partially empty because I did just pour some more into it. But my <laughs> my uh, my my metaphorical glass of information for this episode is certainly empty and probably has been for a while because we've derailed like crazy. But, uh, but I did have a great time. Hope everybody else had a great time. Uh, Tip your waitress on your way out. See ya. See ya. On three, guys. One, 
two, three. Fuck, Fuck you, you Lars. Lars. Later, everyone. See ya. See ya.